taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man who trusts in him. Oh, fear the Lord, you his saints. There is no want to those who fear him. The young lions lack and suffer hunger, but those who seek the Lord shall not lack any good thing. Let us pray. Our Heavenly Father and our God, we thank you for the privilege of coming in your presence to worship together, to glorify you, to lift up your name. We present ourselves to you. We present those who are watching us by the World Wide Web. And we invite you, O Lord, to fill us with your presence. We ask you to receive our offerings of praise and thanksgiving, our worship. We ask you to bless your people today as we gather together. May you anoint and empower those who lead us in worship, in the word, in music. Bless every family represented here. We give you thanks in Jesus' name. And everyone says, amen. Would you welcome the worship team, please? Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Am I in the right place? Are you in the right place? Come on, tell your neighbor you're in the right place. Because we came to worship. The Lord is good. The Lord is good. Come on, tell a neighbor, the Lord is good. Hallelujah. The song says, Lord, you are good and your mercies. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. Please worship with us this morning.
loving the fact that I'm seeing so many smiles. That means the Lord is good. Yes, the Lord is good. And I'm very much aware of the fact that there are some island folk in here, including myself. So we want to use our whole body to praise him. Can we do that? We want to command our hands. We want to command our feet. We want to command our mouth. We want to command our souls to give him praise. Is that okay? Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, yes. To praise the Lord, I command my hands to praise the Lord. I command my oh, oh, oh praise the Lord. I command my hands hey, to I command my hands. I command my hands. Oh, I command my hands to praise the Lord. I command my hands. Yeah, yeah. I command my hands. Come on, hands. Praise the Lord. Come on! 
to move our feet. It's enough to open up our mouth. Hallelujah. It's enough to command our souls to give him praise this morning. We give him praise this morning. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. The song says that he is God and God alone. Do I have any witnesses? He's God. You're not a God created by human hands. You are not a God dependent on any mortal man. You are not a God indeed of anything we can get by our plan. That's just the way it is. Four times we get you are on your
unshakable. Do you believe that he's unstoppable? Listen, God is true about his word. He watches over his word to perform it. Whatever he says, he maintains it. I want to give you a quick story. There's a lady by the name of Reverend Joyce Edwards. She's a very close friend of the family. She's a pastor in Trinidad, retired actually. And she came to speak at my father's 60th. And she was talking to my father and the congregation at large, just encouraging the whole congregation about how God is faithful and how he's true to his word. And she told us a story about her spiritual daughter. She said her spiritual daughter called her one day and said, Mom, God is awesome. So she said, yes, he's awesome. You don't know that he's awesome? And she said, I know he's awesome, but now I know to an even greater level. So she's like, how so? She's a midwife. She said, Mom, we delivered a baby today. Healthy, healthy baby. Nothing was wrong with him. She said, but when the baby came out, his hands was closed like this. So a couple of the nurses came over because he was holding it so tight, trying to, you know, unleash the fingers one at a time. In his hands were all the birth control pills his mother took. Ever since I've heard that story, my faith has been lifted. I now believe God for any and everything, no matter what. Even if it doesn't happen right now, God said it, so I know it's going to happen. So my word to you this morning is, do you believe what he said over your life? Do you believe what he said about your situation right now? Do you understand that that baby did not, was not supposed to be here? But God said, you will live and not die. I'm saying to you this morning, you will live and not die. Because he's unchangeable, unchangeable, unstoppable, unstoppable. That's what you are.
your holy name. Bless your holy name. Bless your holy name. Bless your holy name. Hallelujah. God, we know that you are unchangeable. We know that you are unshakable. God, and for some of us, while we wait, God, for your word to come to pass, we ask that you'd give us strength. We ask that you'd give us hope. God, hallelujah. Father, your word says, they that wait upon the Lord, you shall renew their strength. They will mount up with wings. And so, Father, help us while we wait, Jesus. Father, give us the peace that we need as we wait on you, Jesus. Give us the joy that we need as we wait on you. You are my strength. Strength like no other. Strength like no Oh, somebody needs strength today. Hallelujah. Come on, say you are my strength, God. You are my strength. You are my strength. Strength like no other, Jesus.
Whatsoever we ask, believing in prayer, when we join together, it shall be done. And sometimes our prayers are not answered because we have the wrong motive. It's like my son. He tells me, Mom, pray for me to win a million dollars. I said, never. He says, why, Mom? God hears you. I said, it would destroy you. So sometimes we make some petitions. It's not because God can't. But he knows it's no good for us. So we think he fails to answer, he's protecting us. As we go this morning, let's by faith cast all our cares on him. Believe him. He cares, amen? And I want you to remember the young adults. I have a burden for the young adults. If you know a young adult, maybe it's a child in your family, as we pray, don't 
mind about the tears, if your makeup gets messed up, hey, the soul is worth a lot more than that. Can we passionately ask God to touch our young adults wherever they are today? Maybe it's a straight son or daughter, godchild, a niece, a nephew that comes to your mind immediately. But I feel like God would have us just reach out and cry out for them this morning. Would you join with me as we do that? Heavenly Father, thank you that you're so real. God, you're touchable. You ask us to come boldly to the throne of grace. We come together. Those of us here, those who are watching us by the web, God, we thank you that you care so much about our needs. You care about our greatest need, our salvation, that you sent Jesus, your only begotten son, to die for us, wretches, sinners. And your word says, because you have given us your greatest gift, how much freely will you give us all things? And so we come by faith. We come to you, our loving Father, who knows us better than we know ourselves. We present our petitions to you this morning. We ask you, God, to hear from heaven and answer and have mercy. You know the greatest struggle of our hearts. Some of us wrestle with sin, with strongholds. We want to do right. And one day we do right, and the next day, God, we are back in the hole again. But today we pray for that redeeming grace. We pray you'd break the power of sin and the stronghold in our lives and you'd give victory. Jesus, we cry out for the adult children today. We pray for every backsliding son or daughter, cousin, nephew, niece, grandchildren. We cry out for their souls this morning. You see where each of them is, God? Holy Spirit, we ask you to go right there. Arrest them in their track. Arrest them in the name of Jesus right now. Pull them back to the Father. We pray that you'd send godly people along their path to remind them who they are in you, God. For many of them, the word has been implanted in their hearts. We're praying that this moment, God, you would arrest them and you would remind them of who they are. And their hearts would be broken. They'd be repentant. And they would surrender their lives to you. For those who are despairing and lost hope because there is no job, they've gotten in trouble, they have record. Jesus, you're the redeeming God. Send help, release hope in their heart today. You're the God of all hope. You're the God of peace that we sung about, Jehovah Shalom. You're Jehovah Righteousness. We pray for every despairing, hopeless son and daughter this morning, that you'd rescue them from the depths of their thoughts, from the harassment of Satan. You'd fill their hearts with hope again. They would turn to you, God. But the one that feels so worthless because they drifted and got into sin. Today, we pray, fill their hearts with your love. Cause them to sense your presence right there, saying, my child, come home again. 
I pray you'd raise up encouragers in the lives of our young people, our young men and young women, disciplers that will take the time to minister, to encourage them in the way. Remember those today, God, who are struggling with their marriages. Some even had disagreements before they came to church. We release a spirit of forgiveness, a spirit of grace upon every household. We declare healing in relationships, healing in our minds and spirit, healing in our bodies, healing in our finances, oh God, healing in our perspectives, that our minds would be centered on you and on your word, and we believe you. Lord, remember those who suffer disaster today. Some suffer violence, oh God. We pray mercy and help. Remember our nation, oh God. Draw back the nation to you. Touch the hearts of those in authority. Cause them to lead in righteousness with godly fear, with humility. We pray you'd forgive the sins of our land, oh Lord. Father, we pray as a national day of prayers coming this coming Thursday that many who never thought of praying for the nation would open their hearts and homes. They would draw to the places of worship where they're existing and together we'd cry out for our nation and our people. So, Father, we commit this service to you today. Remember the sick. Remember the seniors at home. Remember those in the nursing homes and in the hospitals today. Touch them, Father. Bless your people. Let none leave here the way they came, but may you convict, may you strengthen, may you encourage hearts. Anoint your men's servant who will bring the word. Let your word be mixed with faith that when we hear it, it would do good to our hearts. Father, comfort the one that's mourning today. Comfort the Gerard family, the Albert family. We ask you to minister to them in their loss. We give you thanks for hearing and answering our prayers in Jesus' name. Everyone says, Amen. You may be seated. Let's give the worship team a great big hand. Amen. Praise God. We're so glad that you're here today in the house of God. Are you glad you're in the house of God? Come on now, it's exciting. I'd rather be here than in the hospital or someplace else. This is where the blessing is, right? Amen. We get blessed for being here. I want to welcome you today. We want to thank you for coming. And if you're the, a first-time guest worshiping with us, we have a specially prepared packet that we'd like to give you. But first, we'd like to identify you. We have the ushers who are going to come forward. And um, they're going to hand this packet to you. So would the ushers come forward, please? And if you're visiting with us for the very first time, would you be so kind as to stand briefly just until you receive the packet? So if you're a first-time guest, would you stand so we can recognize you? Thank you so much. God bless you. As soon as you receive the packet, you may be seated. Thank you for coming and worshiping with us. This is a great time to open the packet. We have a card there that we'd like you to complete. Um, we just want to connect with you. We're not going to be soliciting from you. And on the reverse side of the card, there's a place of prayer request. So if you have a prayer need, 
you are very welcome to put it on the reverse side. And when the ushers come by for the offering, you could drop the completed card in the offering bucket. How about those who may be visiting with us for the second time or the third time? Would you wave your hand at me? Is there anybody like that? It's your second visit or your third visit to the church? Okay. Well, once again, let's give our first-time guests a great big round of applause. And if you don't have a church home, we invite you to fellowship with us. This is a friendly church with a family focus, and we minister to the entire family. So we welcome you again. At the end of this service, we'll have some more instructions to you. We'd like to refresh you before you leave. I'm going to invite technology to give us breaking news. The LWBC newsrooms, breaking news at this time. Good morning, church. I'm Brett. And I'm Danelle. Reporting to you live from LWOBC Studios with your breaking news. Our annual youth extravaganza will be May 7th at 7 p.m. Tickets will be sold outside after both services. Make sure you come out and support. So don't procrastinate, be great, and get your tickets before the date. The Women's Ministry is having a pre-Mother's Day Funship on the Saturday before Mother's Day, May 13th at 4 through 7 p.m. in the Original Sanctuary. Sign up now and join us ladies for a fun and uplifting afternoon. Additionally, the special Mother's Day service is on Sunday, May 14th at 8 and 11 o'clock services. Invite some mothers to enjoy Mother's Day in the Lord's presence. Also, a reminder for all youth and their parents, youth, be sure to come out to Overcomers on Tuesday nights at 7 p.m., Parents, be sure to bring them out. Don't miss out on the great discussions and lessons being taught. That's all we have for today. Thanks for tuning in. And, and have, have a blessed day. day. Amen. They're doing a great job. Come on now. A lot of us couldn't do that. We'd be so shy. Amen. So we want to bless our youth and their different ministries. We want to thank all of you who participated in our missions gala at Signature Grand on Friday night. And those that didn't come, you missed a nice time. Wasn't it wonderful, those of you who are there? Oh, boy. The service was great. The ambience was great. We had wonderful fellowship, and it was for a great cause. The missionaries were great. What a blessing. Amen. And many people came. Some of them drove as far as um, Central Florida just to come to our missions gala. So if you didn't come, you missed out, but the youth are having their wonderful youth concert uh, coming Sunday, next Sunday evening. So you can get your tickets and make up and uh, buy tickets to your neighbors too. How about that? I think the youth would love that. Amen? Hello? This is our youth and our church. We want to support them. They are wonderful. You're going to be shocked at their productions. They are the best. So please do support them. As they said in the announcements, get your tickets. Amen. And we know small groups have started 50 Days of Transformation, and people have been reported great results. I use the devotional in the book, and if you have your little workbook, please, there's a wonderful devotional there for every day. So make sure you um, capitalize on that also and get in your small group. Okay, just a few additional reminders. We want to thank all the volunteers who um, 
worked so hard to help us with the banquet. Many of you sold tickets. You got ads from your different business associates. Some of you sponsored ads. You made donations. Many of you couldn't come, but you bought tickets, and you gave them out to those who wanted to go but couldn't afford them. That's awesome. Can we give those a hand? And, you know, I had to raise my brow in the, in, at the gala because I remember this lady, she's a single parent, and she brought me her ticket, and she brought me her child's ticket. She said, maybe you can find somebody because my child has a program. So I did find two people. And then I looked at the gala, and I'm like, I had to adjust my glasses. She came. Because her little girl thought a gala and a banquet are not the same. And when she heard there was a banquet, she says, banquet? She's eight. She said, we're going. So her mom had to buy two more tickets. But God blessed two who wanted to come and couldn't come, and they got a blessing for being generous. So let's be generous when we can help. On that note, many of you know Fedora, and I'm taking time to do that because we're a family church. And families care about each other. I don't know about your family, but my family, there are nine of us, and don't get in between us. Even if you see us eating off each other's head, don't come in between because you're going to be chewed. Because in the end, we're always there for each other. And Fedora and her grandma, Genevieve, are part of our family. Fedora came here from Haiti in 2010, one of the children that was displaced by the terrible uh, earthquake. Is it earthquake or hurricane? 2010, January. Yeah, earthquake. And she's been coming to church. She learned English. Then her grandma came to join her. And even though she doesn't speak English, she comes to this church faithfully by the bus. Well, last year, Fedora's graduating from high school in America. Listen to me, kids, at 16. A little Haitian girl who came here not knowing English. After all that trauma, her mom came to the graduation. She became very ill, was diagnosed with cancer, never got to go back, and died a week ago. There was no father in her life. Her mother and grandma are it. She can't go back to Haiti with the body. There's no one there. Plus, there's no friends. And here's Fedora, 17 now. And we're a family. So I'm asking you to let Jesus use you the way you would like others to minister to you if you're in this situation. As a church, we stand with them. We have been standing with them. We have helped with rent for months. We have, some have gotten the clothes. We don't speak about these things. We just do them. We have our precious sister in there, Bramwell and others, but especially her, even though she's not well. She's transported the mom, lifted to the hospital back and forth all hours of the day. People have been serving quietly because we're a family. And so as the Lord lays on your heart, and I know he will, would you help them to lay her mom at rest without having the additional burden, a teenager left like that. 
So I put that in your hands. If you are going to make a check, you put it to the church, and in the memo, you just put funeral. We know what it is. Some people have just heard, and unsolicited, they've come already, and they want to help. The funeral is going to be here on the 20th, on a um, Saturday morning at 10 o'clock on the 20th of May. So just another three weeks' time or so. So we want to support them, and as you see Fedora, just be so kind and give a hug. You know, encourage. It's a hard place to be. Thank you so much. We have a special item at this time. Sister Suzette Daniel is going to come. Let's put our hands together as she ministers to the Lord. saints. It's always so fearful to stand before the people of God, but I, I hope to bless you and to be a blessing to you. Um, I've been thinking about how amazing and how powerful the name of Jesus is. Um, in Philippians 2, it says that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow of those in heaven and of those on earth and of those under the earth. So I'm going to be singing about the beautiful name of Jesus. You are the word at the beginning. One with God, the Lord most high. Your hidden glory in creation. How revealed in you are, Christ. What a beautiful name it is. What a beautiful name it is. The name of Jesus Christ, my King. What a beautiful name it is. Nothing compares to this. What a beautiful name it is, the name of Jesus. You didn't want heaven without us. So Jesus, you brought heaven down. My sin was great, your love was greater. So what can separate us now? What a wonderful name it is. What a wonderful name it is. The name of Jesus Christ, my King. What a wonderful name it is. Nothing compares to this. What a wonderful name it is. Before you, yes, 
Jesus, every knee shall bow. Kings, despotic rulers, communists, all people all over the earth, every knee shall bow and every tongue will confess that he's Lord and God. What a great opportunity today to make him our Lord rather than him being our judge. If you have never made that decision, or you did and you're half-hearted or backslidden, make right today. He's awesome. And he gets to live inside of you. Sometimes we think of the disciples and we say, we wish we were born when Jesus was around. But we have more than they do. Because Jesus was only with them sometimes. And they didn't see him. But he promised to be in us and with us. And we can talk to him. We can hear from him. What an awesome Jesus. I love Jesus. I hope you do too. Amen. There's no other name. Amen. I'm going to invite the ushers to come as we prepare to worship God with our giving. And those that are watching us by the web, you can do online giving at this time and not be left out of the blessing. But if you're writing a check, you could just write LWOBC. For those who want to make a donation towards the funeral, on the offering envelope, you can put other. And if you're giving, you can put the amount there and make one check if you want, or you make two checks, whatever it is, or cash. Just indicate on there, because we won't know unless you write it. Funeral and the amount. Amen? Praise God. Are you coming up, Brother Sam? Acts of Blessing.
afraid. I was glad when they said, let's go into the house of the Lord. And Lord, we thank you as we bring sacrifices to you. As we bring the storehouse, Lord, Lord, we ask you to bless who, who give. Lord, we ask you to let it be further into your kingdom. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. We want to remind you, um, Thursday evening, Thursday is the National Day of Prayer, but right here, 7 to 8, just a one hour, we're having a time of prayer for the nation. Every year we do that. 7 to 8 p.m. this Thursday the 4th. You should have had a bulletin insert. We want to remind you and invite you to come out and join us together as we pray for a nation that God would do great things. Amen. Enjoy the musicians. hands together and welcome our speaker for today, our senior pastor, Reverend Carl Francis. Hello, living word. Praise the Lord. God is good and all the time. Welcome to 50 Days of Transformation. I hope that I know some of you have already begun and uh, part of what we're doing is to follow behind you some have not yet started. I know that I'll be starting one this Wednesday, uh, this coming Monday, actually, tomorrow, tomorrow evening. And, um, and so there will be others that have not yet started. But what we plan to do so that it is uh, the losing the law of repetition, which is what they say will bring last in learning. And so you will hear it in the Sunday morning service. You'll do it in your small groups. And you'll also hear it again in Bible study. So we're trying to make sure that God does the work in us that he wants to do. Fifth days of transformation. We have our theme verse, which I'm going to put up on the screen. 
And then we'll, I would like us to read that together after two. One, two. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And so what that's saying to us is that God is saying that he wants us to be changed, to be transformed. Now here's the thing we need to remember. The way you think determines the way you feel. And the way you feel determines the way you behave. If you want to change your life, and you don't, you don't start with your actions, and you don't start with your feelings, you start with your thought life. If you're feeling depressed, if you're feeling depressed, if you're depressed, it is because you are feeling depressed and you are thinking depressive thoughts. The key to transformation does not start with our actions. It does not start with our behavior. It doesn't start with even your will. It starts with your thoughts. And if you change the way you think, you will change the way you feel. And when you change the way you feel, you will change the way you act. Now Romans chapter 12 tells us the principle that we are going to use to apply in the seven areas of our lives that we want to be transformed, or spiritual health, or mental, or emotional, or financial, or physical, or relational, and or vocational, which has to do with our job. So we're going to cover the very critical areas of our lives, uh, seven areas, and I want to say sometimes 50 days to make over your life. 50 days to make over your life is another way that I like to term it. It really can bring a dramatic change in the way we would operate and how we would live our lives. So this is a very important series that we're doing the last several weeks. And so transformation changes us from emptiness to fullness. It changes us from defeat and failure to faith and victory. You need victory, you need transformation. Transformation changes us from insecurity and inferiority to courage and boldness. It helps us to become all that God wants us to be. So, today as we look at the spiritual health, the first thing we want to focus on and I want to say is that the farther away you and I get from God, the more trouble you're going to see in your life. I got to tell you that. The more trials, the more difficulties, the more stress, the more things are going to go wrong. Why? Because we're not cooperating with God of the universe. When you and I are not following God's plan for our lives, then the Bible says we're going to hit on hard times. The Bible says to us in Psalm 1 verse 6, it says, For the Lord watches over all the plans and paths of the godly, but the paths of godless lead to doom. On the other hand, the closer I get to God, the more life is going to be transformative. So, we can see in Scripture the Apostle Paul, for instance. Paul was a little religious terrorist. You know, he was a terrorist. His name was Saul. Before he got converted, he was a terrorist. He used to terrorize the church. He used to take Christians and persecute them. Lock them up and imprison them and do all kinds of things with them. And he met God on the Damascus Road. And when he was transformed, he was changed. 
When you get close to God, your life changes. Isaiah was a depressive person. They call him the weeping prophet. But when Isaiah met God, he got closer to God, he became a courageous person. Moses, as he got so, he, came, he became so close to God that the Bible says his, his face began to glow. There was such a glow that he had to put a veil over it because the people couldn't look at him. And so when you get close to God, your life changes. But the Bible referred to us as sheep. And you've got to understand something about sheep. Sheep are wanderers. Sheep just like to wander off wherever they, you know, just wander off. And the thing about sheep is that sheep, they're very clueless about what's happening around them. The sheep will see a den of wolves right there and just walk right down to the den of wolves. Unconcerned about the danger. A sheep will come to a cliff and look down and see it's 300 feet and just step right off. You know, you may think, you may laugh, but listen, I see people every day who see danger ahead in their lives and still ignore the plan of God and the purpose of God and the word of God and charge right in. Do you know some of those? I've seen people who were their parents warned this person, you cannot, that, that young man is not good for you. And they said, but I love him. And they said, but we can see. We can see that he's not going to be good for you. We can see that he's not going to be the kind of husband you're thinking of. And they decide that they're going to run off and elope. They get married. They have two babies. And then he kicks her out. She comes back home with two children that you now have to feed and take care of. How much does your sin cost me? And so people do that all the time. They see danger. They see trouble ahead. And they still walk right into it. We are like sheep. We're wanderers. And we really don't know what is good for us. So we need a shepherd. We need a shepherd. You know, the Bible says in Judges, because the people didn't have a, a leader, the Bible says when all the judges died, everybody did what was right in their own eyes. People need leadership. Now today, as a shepherd of this church, I'm going to use the both the, 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 the hook, the staff. Some of you are going over a precipice. I'm going to pull you back. But some of you are gone so far and still rebellious. I'm going to flip it around. I'm going to use a rod. Hello? So if, you, if the rod touches you, just say, ouch. If the hook catches you, just come right back. But the whole idea of doing that is because we want, God loves you. Do you know that God really loves you? When nobody else loves you, God loves you. And you know, he loves us in spite of the way we are. But here's the good thing about God. He loves us too much to leave us the way we are. He wants to change us. That's where transformation comes in. And so God wants to change us. He wants to make us better. He wants to give us a better life. He says, I, the thief, come but to steal, to kill, and to destroy. But I am come that you may have life and have it more Abundantly. 
as I was going to, I was saying that the Holy Spirit, I didn't know, I didn't plan this. The Holy Spirit brought back to me what we did this morning in the couples class and said, I need to let you know. We began a series with Tony Evans on kingdom marriage. You don't want to miss it if you are a couple. This is a great time to come and get your marriage refreshed. We're doing this in here. It's, it's, on, it's a DVD series with him. And it's a, it began a powerful start. And uh, you can catch up with it because kingdom marriage is what we really need to have. And you'll hear what he means by kingdom marriage and how it works. And so why? Because God wants our lives to be better. He wants our marriages to be better. He, he doesn't want just a good life for us. God wants the best life for us. Not just a better life. He wants the best life for us. And so you're going to see what God wants to do for us as we begin to be focused on this transformation process. And so we need to talk about how then to get close to God. How do we get close to God? How do we stay close to God? And if you're drifted away, how do you come back and, and build that relationship with God? Because we are wanderers. And can I tell you this morning that God gave us a story in the Bible that taught us about this matter of getting close to Him. Because the Bible says, draw near unto God, and He will what? Draw near unto you. You will never draw closer to God and he will not draw near to you. He's not going to let what you did stop him from coming after you. You're going to see that. Because God is pursuing us every day of our lives. He's pursuing you. He's pursuing me. You have a handout, I hope. Everybody has a handout? Okay, if you turn to your handout, we're going to read that story that is found in Luke chapter 15. I want to read it for you and you can follow it says, Jesus told the story, a man had two sons. The younger son told his father, give me my share of your estate now, instead of waiting until you die. So his father divided his wealth between his sons. A few days later, the younger son packed all his belongings and left home to live in a distant land. He got as far away from his father as he could. There he squandered the gift he'd been given and wasted his life and money on wild parties and reckless living. About the time all his money ran out, a severe famine hit the land, and he began to starve because he was, he was left with nothing. The only job he could find was feeding swine on a farm. He became so desperate and hungry that even the pig slob he was feeding the swine looked good to him. But no one would give him anything for his hunger. When he finally came to his senses, he said to himself, This is crazy. At my father's home, even the lowest paid workers eat well, while I am far away dying of hunger. I am going to return home to my father and humbly say, Father, I have sinned against both God and you, and I'm not worthy to be part of this family or call your son. But please, just make me one of your servants who works for you. With that attitude, he headed back home to his father. But while the son was still a long distance away, his father saw him coming, filled with love and compassion. He ran out to his son, threw his arms around him, and kissed him. His son said, Father, I've sinned against both God and you, and I'm no longer worthy of being called your son. But the father said to his servants, Quick, bring me the finest robe in our house and put it on him. Then get my signet ring for his finger and shoes for his feet. Then roast the calf we have been fattening. We are going to celebrate. 
with a feast of eating and drinking. For this child of mine was distant and dead, but now he's back and alive. He was lost, but he's found. So the party began. What an incredible story. And in the story, we see this young man began the way we generally are. You know, I was, uh, we were sharing this morning, we, we don't born with a nature that is selfless. We born with a self-centered nature. Isn't that true? You see those little children with their toys playing with one another? Mine! Mine! Everything is mine. I mean, they're going to say mine ten times. You know, it's going to be mine. And we have this mentality of give me, give me, give me, give me, give me, give me, give me. God, I want this and I want this right now. I want it quickly. We're always give me, give me, give me, give me. And so it is that it's about me. It's a self-centered life. This is what this young man was about. He was about himself. And so he, he said to his father, which is not proper, he was really saying, I can't wait till you're dead. So, you know what, since you're not croaking right now, and it doesn't look like you're going to croak for a long time, you better give me your, my, I want my share. So the father divided up the inheritance and gave him his share. He was the second son, and in, Jew, in Jewish history, and the way the Jewish principle work, the second son gets, the first son gets two-third of the goods, and the second son gets one-third. So he got one-third of the possessions, and he headed off. He headed off to the Las Vegas of Jerusalem. And he decided to spend his money on wine, woman, and song. And, of course, the Bible tells us a lot more women than anything else. And so he had a party. You know, when you have money, you have a lot of friends. You know, when things are flowing, there's a lot of people. If you happen to come into a big inheritance, you'll be surprised of how many relatives you had that you didn't know. They showed up from everywhere. Oh, your, did you know that your father, cousin, was my mother, cousin, 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 cousin? <laughs> There's going to be a link somewhere and some home. So he had a party. He had money and he was doing well and everybody was having a lot of fun and having a lot of good things. And you know, when it's all going out and nothing coming in, guess what happened? It runs out. And then when it runs out, worse of all, guess what happened? An economic recession hit the country. They ran into an economic recession. There were no jobs. Things were on the downward. And he began to suffer. There was, he was starving. There were no jobs. And so he, was, he had his little thing out. We'll work for food. We'll work for food. And he's panhandling on the roadside. We'll work for food. We'll work for food. And he's there and somebody drove up and said to him, Okay, young man, you want to work for food? Jump into the back of my truck. He jumped into the back of the truck and the man headed out to his farm. He got out to his farm and he says to this Jewish boy, he says, Come with me. I'm going to tell you what you're going to do. You are going to feed my pigs. Now that's not kosher for a Jewish boy to feed pigs. But that's what he ended up doing. And when the Bible says he was so desperate that when he looked at the food that he was feeding the pigs, I mean, you can't imagine. In, I remember in my, in my days, they used to feed the pigs boiled bananas. You know, the th you know what I see them now put into 
um, into this soup. What do you call it now? Manish water. The banana that they put into manish water with the skin on it. That's how I used to see my grandmother used to cook for the pigs. The banana with the skin on it. So we sometimes eat pig food, you know. <laughs> we do. We just give it a fancy name. We give it a fancy name, you know. But it's really pig food sometimes. And so he saw this banana boiled in the skin. And he said, man, I can, I can peel the banana skin and eat the banana. And so he was, and, but the, man, the older man says, you can't rob my pigs of, my, of their food. And so he said, the Bible says he woke up and came to his senses. I got to tell you, there's some people here today that probably need to come to your senses. You need to come to the realization your life is not what you really want it to be. He came to his senses and said, you know what? This does not make sense. Look at my life. Look at where I am. Look at what I'm doing. And when I think about it, the lowest servant in my father's house eating steak. And I am here hungry and I'm eating pig food. This doesn't make any sense. So he says, you know what? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go back to my father. And he says, I'm going to recognize, and I'm, I'm going to recognize my situation, and I'm going to say to my father, I have sinned against you. And he says, Father, because of how rude I was, and because I was not, a, I didn't do it right, the right way, and I asked you for the money, when I shouldn't have waited until you passed, he says, I don't even want to be a son. Just hire me back as a servant. There's an attitudinal change. That's where transformation begins. When we begin to have that change of attitude and recognize some things. So we're going to look at four things that this young man did that brought transformation in his life. That you and I need to do to bring transformation. So let's pray. Father, we thank you that your Holy Spirit is here to guide us. Your Holy Spirit is here to teach us your truths. Now, Lord, there's nothing that I can say that can change anyone. But only by your spirit, you have the power to impart to others and to bring changes in their lives. So we ask you that you'll speak to your people today and bring changes that we may have a spiritual transformation. That our spiritual health will be transformed in a way that is pleasing to you and bring fruit and benefit to our lives. This we ask in Jesus' name and all God's people said... Amen. In your handout, we're talking about how to get close to God. The first thing you see this young man did, he got fed up with his life. And that's the feeling that you have in the first blank. You've got to get fed up with your life. What does that mean? It means that you've, come to the, you've got to come to the realization and stop pretending as if everything is all right. Now, I know that in here this morning, everybody is either in a circumstance coming out of a circumstance or about to go into a circumstance. I don't know which one you are in this morning, but everybody's in one thing or that. There's nobody in here without an issue today. You can smile and look like nothing is wrong. You still have an issue somewhere. Isn't that true? Come on, we face it. We all have issues. Nobody gets away. Not even President Trump. 
Donald doesn't get away. He has issues. And he has a lot today on his hands. He's got North Korea that we got to pray about and think about. Amen? Among all the other issues. And so the point is this morning is that you've got to be, just recognize, you know what? Am I, is my life really going the way I really want it? Am I satisfied with where I am? That's what this young man had to come to. The first step of transformation is to say to yourself, you know what? My life is not where I want it to be. I'm tired of the stress. I'm tired of being overwhelmed. I'm tired of the frustration. I'm tired of the rat race I'm running. I'm just, I, I, I need something more than this. Life can't be just this. There's got to be something better. Because Jesus says, I am come that you may have life and have it what? More abundantly. And if we're not experiencing the abundant life, we're falling short. And the way you get started on that journey is to first fess up. Recognize and say, Lord, I am not where I am supposed to be. My life is not where it is. And so you see the scripture there in Luke 15. He says, he says to himself, you know, I'm going to go home. I'm, I'm, I'm not where I'm supposed to be. I'm not at the place that God wants me to be. And so this morning, this afternoon, I'm asking you, where are you today? Because, you know, when God wants to, when we're not where we're supposed to be, God is trying to get our attention. And sometimes when God wants to get our attention, he starts with a little drizzle of rain. And when we don't respond to the rain, there come some heavy showers. And when we don't respond to the showers, a storm comes in our life. And the wind is so strong and it blows these things. And things start twirling in the sky. And, and our lives start spinning around with things. And we say, what's going on with me? And it's only then that some people stop to say, God, I need you. That's what he's been trying to get all along. He's been trying to get our attention all along. Why do we have to wait until God hits us with a storm? Before we make a decision to get closer to him. I'm saying to you today, don't wait for that moment. We're going to give you a chance at the end of the service to get close to God. And I want every one of us to take the opportunity today. Because God wants to get close to you. Why? Because God created you for his glory. God created me for his glory. God created you with a plan in mind, with a purpose in mind. The Bible says he saw you before he formed you in your mother's womb, and he has a plan for you. He says, I know the plans I have for you, plans to give you hope and a future, not a drab, boring, miserable life, but something better. That's what God has in store for you. And I want you to know this, this afternoon, you know, sometimes... They say you can lead a horse to water, but you can't make him drink. But you know what the farmers do? They put salt in the oats. The oats that they feed the donkey or the horse, as whatever animal it is, they actually salt it. After you eat something salty, what happens to you? You are thirsty. So do you know what God has to do sometimes in our lives? He salt our lives with some problems. And when he salt our lives with some challenge and problems, guess what we are thirsty for? 
We're thirsty for the only one who can deliver us. We thirsty for deliverance. And do you know where we go when we need deliverance? Where do we go when we really need God? We go into prayer. We go crying out unto God. Why do we wait until he has to do that? He wants us to pray to him every day. He wants us to call him every day. He says, in all your ways, acknowledge me, and I will what? Direct your path. So my friends, the first step in transformation then is to get fed up with where you are right now. If you're, if you're satisfied with your life and you think everything is hunky-dory and everything is great, then can I tell you, there'll be no transformation in you because you're not going to make any change. But if you want transformation, you have to come to the realization and accept the fact and be truthful about it. My life is not exactly going the way I would love it. I need a change. So that's the first thing he did. So the first thing the young man did was to say, this doesn't make sense. It doesn't make sense. And can I tell you, it doesn't make sense to live without God. It doesn't make sense to live far from God. But it makes every sense to live near to God. Can I tell you, when God is for you, oh, hallelujah, who can be against you? Let me tell you, when you have God on your side, my friend, oh, what a thing to have God on your side. It's a blessing to have him working on your behalf and to work things out and to orchestrate things and you just want to read the book of Esther to see when God is working how what you think is coincidence is providential. That God is a God of providence and he will make you run into somebody that you don't even know that that connection is what's going to save you three months from now. But because of that incident, God is preparing something for you. Can you give him praise this morning for who he is? God is always up to something good. Always. He's never up to something bad. No matter what he's doing, we don't understand some of the things he does. We don't understand some of the things he allows. But it doesn't mean that what he's doing is a bad thing. God, has, God doesn't know evil and God cannot do evil. God is a good God. And so whatever God's working out in our lives, it is for our good. I told you one time that when I was a young boy and used to give me those medicines, I remember it, those medicines they used to give us from the doctor's office were so bitter. And my mother used to tell me, the bitter it is, the better it is for you. And she used to say, the more bitter she said, good, that means a good medicine. Isn't that amazing? I didn't understand it. But I got to tell you, when you're going through some bitter experiences in life, it's a good thing for you. God's working something good. But we don't like bitterness. We like the sweet cake. Isn't that true? We like things to taste sweet. So your mother used to put a little sugar in the bitter medicine so you could take it. So every now and then, God add a little sugar for you too, you know. Just so you can survive the mercies of God and the grace of God. Isn't he a good God? He really is. Hallelujah. And so the young man gave up. He got fed up with his life. And the second thing he did, which is important, is that he 
own up to his sin. He says, I have sinned. And we need to own up to where we are. We need to be honest about where we are. We got to be honest. You know, you know, I'm not been living the way I should live for God. Sometimes I'm hot and sometimes I'm cold. Sometimes I'm up and sometimes I'm down. Sometimes I want God and sometimes I just want to do my own thing. We got to be honest with God. And that he wants us to own up to where we are. He owned up to his sin and he was not afraid of it. He, did not. he says, I am going to go to my father and I'm going to say to him, Father, I have sinned before you and before God. My friends, there is no point in playing games with God. Just to wear and put on a facade for somebody else to think, oh, how holy they are. That, it ain't going to get you nowhere to look holy and sanctimonious. You better you run up there, pull up your hair and cry out your heart to God and get a change and let God do something supernatural in your life. Rather than staying stately and nice and composed and looking like nothing is wrong when you know in your heart you're not where you're supposed to be and you need to cry out to God and say, God, have mercy! It doesn't matter what somebody else thinks about you. David was not concerned about what they thought about him. The Bible says he danced before the Lord. And when he danced before the Lord, even his wife looked at him and says, Look at you. Look at how you're behaving in front of the other ladies. He says, You haven't seen anything yet. My friends, the most important thing is our relationship with God. You know, I, I've said often and often, and I'll keep saying it because I hope that one day we'll get it. Can I tell you again? And if this is your first time in this church, you're going to hear it again. You're going to hear it for the first time. And believe me, it is true. Life is not about you. That may be shocking to you, but I'm going to explain it to you. Life really is not about you. It's not about me. But that's how we grow up thinking. We grow up thinking that I need, to, I, need to, I need to get a good education, and that's good. And I need to get a good job, and I need to get married, and have a good family. All of those things. And we think that that's what life is about. And then I need to retire, earn enough money, and retire with a, with a home on the beach. And in my rocking chair. And I die when I'm 100, and I say, God, is okay, you can take me now. That's how we think life is. But can I tell you? When God created you and I, the Bible said, He created you and I for His pleasure. For His pleasure. For His glory. You and I were created for God's glory. Here's what people who have surrendered their lives to God are finding out. That your best days of your life are the days when you surrender and say, here, my God, I am yours. Use me. Those are the people who feel fulfilled on the inside. Because, you see, I can have money. And I can, I can, I can have status. I can have position. I can have power. I can have all of those things. And still can't sleep at night. But when God gives you sleep, you know, he says he's give his beloved sleep. 
When God gave you peace, when God worked things out, you don't have no money in your pocket. You know that old song, is it? Money in my pocket, but I can't. Hello, you know that? Some of you know that one. No, no, put some smile on some of your face now, eh? Money in my pocket, but I can't find no love. You could even have money in your pocket and you still can't find love. But the love of God is always available. Isn't it wonderful? The love of God is always there. Hallelujah. God's love is always there for you. So I want you to understand something today. Just don't pretend today. Take all the mask off. Take off the mask. Be who you really are and say, God, I need to get right with you. I need to, I, I, I've been drifting. I've not been doing what I'm supposed to be doing. I've not been spending the time. I, I remember the days when you, some of you remember the days when you were on fire for God. When you were telling everybody about Jesus and you couldn't wait to tell somebody else. And today the fire has gone out. There's no burning passion again. God wants to rekindle that. He wants to stir up the fire in us. He wants to stir up the gift within us. He wants to get you going again and make life meaningful and purposeful. That when your days are over, you have something that you've done that leaves behind. Something that can go to heaven and last with you. Because everything else on this earth is going to burn up. But when you have somebody whose life you've impacted for Jesus Christ and you've touched their lives because of how you live, because of what you've said and because of what you've done, can I tell you, it goes into eternity. So we have to ask ourselves, what difference does it make that I'm alive? What difference does it make that I'm alive? Am I alive for myself only? You know when, when Robert Kennedy, no, no, Robert, not Robert Kennedy, Bobby Kennedy, not Robert, not the other, the last one that died, Ted, Edward Kennedy, that's it, Edward. When Edward Kennedy died, I watched the funeral service. And I was blown away by what that man did. The concern he had for people. There wasn't a staff person, and he had hundreds of staff people. There wasn't a staff person that he didn't remember his birthday. There wasn't a staff person that was sick that he didn't visit them. They just... The man was such a lover of people. I was so impressed by what they said about him. Because you know, that's what God wants us to be like. When you listen, you realize he wasn't about himself. He was about loving your neighbor. Because your neighbor, the Bible says, has come before you. Did you realize that? It's loving God first, then loving your neighbor second, and then loving yourself. We're on third base. God's on first base. Your neighbor's on second base. 
To get home, you got to get the first base first. In other words, God's always got to be first. And then you got to get a second base who is the neighbor. And then your third base is yourself. How are we, we, have, we have flipped it. We go to third base first. And sometimes we even go to second base after third. And finally, we sometimes drag ourselves over to first base. I want to say to you today, God needs to be first in your life. You're going to find your life revolutionized when God becomes first. When he, because it's a kingdom life, the rule of God over our lives is different. Nothing happens until you and I get to stage two. We got to get to this point where we give up and then we own up. In stage two, we are fessing up that this is what he wants. You see, God wants us to really have that relationship with him. You know what the Bible says? The Bible says our sins have separated us from God that he will not hear us. So when people pray and they feel like the ceiling, the prayers are bouncing back. And when people pray, feel like there's a covering over their prayers, like the prayers are not going anywhere. We got to ask ourselves, what's blocking the prayer? Why is our prayer not going anywhere? The Bible says our sins have separated us from God that he will not hear us. And so, honesty begins at home. What do I mean by that? It begins with me. It begins with you being honest with ourselves. You know what? I am not who I claim to be. I am not where I'm supposed to be with God. I need to make a change. I need a spiritual change in my life. And I'm not going to pretend as if everything is okay when everything is not. I need to own up and say, you know, God, I've blown it. And we need to have a desire for God. And God's waiting for us to have a passion for Him. Because here, my friend, you are as close to God as you and I choose to be. We are as close to God as we choose to be. We can't blame somebody else for being, not being close to God. You can't blame your spouse. You can't blame your mother. You can't blame your, your child. You can't blame your government. You can't blame anybody for that. We are as close to God as we choose to be. He says, draw near to me and I will draw near to you. You know, Socrates was a very wise man. And Socrates had a student that looked at him and said, Mr. Socrates, I just want to be as wise as you are. And Socrates says, really? You want to be as wise as I? He says, yeah, I'll do anything to be as wise as you are. And Socrates says, come, I'll teach you. So he takes him down to the, to the beach. Socrates says, follow me. Come in the water with me. He walks into the water till they get to the chest point. When they get to the water, the chest, Socrates took the young man's head and did this. Held him down in the water. He struggled. He fought. He came back up. As soon as he came back up, Socrates did this again. Held him down in the water. He's, he's gasping. He needs air. He comes back. He pushes him down again. And he comes back up. And he says, when you want wisdom to the same desperation to which you need air, you'll be as wise as I am. When we want what God has for us, as we want any other thing else more than anything else, 
we'll experience God in our lives like we've never had Him before. But we need to get desperate. But you know what? Some people wait until God has to storm their lives to get desperate. We don't need to wait for that. We need to say to God, I need you. So the young man owned up. So here what he did. He got fed up with his life. He owned up with his sin. And then the third thing he did was he decided to offer up himself. He offered up himself. He says, I'm going to my father. And he says, Father, I have sinned. Make me one of your servants. Make me one of your servants. He left saying, give me, give me, give me. He came back with a different attitude. His attitude was now, you know what, Father? I am, make me one of your servants. Just, just make me one of your servants. I surrender everything. I give up everything. I recognize the error of my ways. And I realize that I, I, I can't make it on my own. I need you. I, and I don't even, you don't have to make me a son anymore. Just make me one of your servants. But you know, we serve, the Father represents God. What a God we have. He's so different from human beings. I would say, you remember how you treated me when you left here? You remember how rude and disrespectful you were to me? The Father never said that. The Bible says the father saw him come in. Look at my son. Welcome. Welcome. Ran out, hugged him, kissed him, said to them, get the robe. Get my best robe. Bring the best robe. Bring shoes. Kill the fatted calf. Let's celebrate my son. Is home. My son, my son, my son. Get my signet ring. Do you know what the signet ring was? In those days, the way you did transaction was you took your ring and you put it in wax and you stamp an important document. And that document with the signet ring says, that's your signature, that's your authority, that's your power. You give away everything with that. That's like saying to him, bring my American Express card and give it to him. The black one, somebody said. Unlimited amount. This is the same boy that just squandered the money. This is the same boy that just lost everything that the father gave him. Did the father rub it in? No. Is God going to rub it in for us today? He's not going to rub it in. What am I saying to you this afternoon? I'm saying God is ready to welcome all of us. All of us. And you know... I don't think there's anybody in here who's exempted today. I think all of us need God today. I think all of us need to come back to God today. I think all of us need to come to the point where we're going to surrender ourselves to God today. And if you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, this is a great time for you to acknowledge him and recognize and to say, God, I'm sorry I've blown it. I need to come home. I need to make right with you. So I'm going to ask you today to stand together with me. Because this young man, not only did he got, he got fed up with his life, not only did he decide that he would need to own up, but he also offered up himself. He decided, I'm going to surrender to God. I'm going to give myself to God. I'm going to recognize that, God, I don't have the answer today. And so I'm going to invite you to come as we sing this great hymn, All to Jesus I surrender, all to him I freely give. I will ever love and trust him in his presence daily live. I 
surrender all. And I want us to, I, I, I'm, I'm, I believe it today, uh, we did an, in the 8 o'clock service, we asked everybody to come. Because you know what? All of us need to surrender fresh. All of us need to surrender fresh. So as we sing it, we're going to make a change today. We're going to be a church that come before God today. And as a church, as a congregation together, we're going to say, God, we're surrendering afresh. Here we are. Are you ready? As we sing. All to Jesus, I surrender all to Him. I
Father, we surrender afresh this morning. We acknowledge, oh God, that we want to be closer to you. And we give up everything else today because you said we should have no other gods but you. Anything that stands between us and you, Lord, we give it up today. No matter what it is, we surrender it to you, Father. And today we want our fresh, make a fresh commitment to you. To say we want to be close to you. We're drawing near today, God, so that you can draw near to us. Lord, we're not putting on any pretenses. We're not trying to impress anyone. We're just recognizing our need of you today. We need you. We need you, God. We need you in our lives. We need you to transform us. And we come like the prodigal son today. And we say, Father, we have sinned against you. We've wandered and drifted and done our own thing. But today we're coming home. And we know like the prodigal father, like the father of that son this morning, oh God, you're willing to embrace us, not to condemn us, but to welcome us home. We thank you for the kind of love that you have for us. We thank you for your mercies and your forgiveness. We thank you for your second chances that you give us, oh God. We thank you for the opportunity to renew that relationship. We thank you for making us yours again. We thank you, Father. And today, if you don't know him as your Savior, if you've never made that decision, I want to ask you, don't put it off to another time. This is a day to say to him, Lord, I need you as my Savior. If you've never done so, you want us to pray for you, just right where you are, just raise your hand. We'll pray for you if you're one of those today. It says, Pastor, I need to receive him as my Savior today. Because it's critical. You were made for him. And when you and I begin to do what he's called us to do, and how he's equipped us, and how he's wired you, your life will never be the same again. Something beautiful. Something good. You see, there's a metamorphosis that takes place. Just as that caterpillar turns into a beautiful butterfly. So God wants to transform your life and my life. We are like caterpillars before without him. But when he works in our lives, he can make us into beautiful butterflies. Your life will never be the same again. So Father, we thank you for what you're doing. We give you the praise and the glory and the honor. We ask you to minister to your people today. Let no one leave the way they came. We pray that each one will be ministered to by the power of the Holy Spirit. You will do a work in your hearts and in your lives. That this will be like a fresh start, oh God. A new beginning. Right where you are at the altar, I'm going to pronounce the benediction. And for those who are first-time guests, before you leave, there will be someone at the back who will escort it to our hospitality suite. 
The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. The Lord lift up the light of his countenance upon you and give you his peace as together we say, surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever and ever. Amen.